Hello and welcome to the next episode of the West Connect podcast where we help ensure that student athletes are successful on and off the field. Today, I've got Joe Edmonds with me. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Um, you're doing some pretty interesting things professionally, which you know are actually very topical right now with what's going on in the market. But let's start with kind of how you found yourself at Wesleyan because um, you you come from, you know, maybe not the uh, traditional Northeast New England type background. So tell us a little bit more about where you're from and how you find yourself at Wes. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, born and raised in Oklahoma City. Um, I was actually a transfer to Wesley in my sophomore year. So I spent my freshman year at the University of San Francisco, uh, played basketball in the West Coast Conference, knew nothing about uh, the NESCAC, um, any of the schools. Uh, I was actually thinking about that before this call. I went on a visit, kind of a drive-by to Amherst my sophomore year, but at the same time I was doing the, the Ivy League um, stint, the Holy Cross BUs, um, and didn't think anything of it until I was transferring. Um, sat out my freshman year, I was a redshirt, uh, injured, didn't want to sit out a second year um, whenever I transferred, so that's what opened up the idea of the NESCAC, um, sent out some feelers and visited Wesleyan in May of 2013. Uh, it was 70 degrees, sunny, awesome. Food was great. People were cool. Um, visited Amherst the next day. It was rainy. Um, they were in finals. People were uh, friendly, but just uh, wasn't the same vibe and everything lined up. And uh, I went to Wesleyan. So I was there sophomore, junior and senior year, played basketball met some awesome guys. Um, I'm now engaged to a woman that I met at Wesleyan and uh, I'm, a, I'm a Cardinal for life. Yeah, love to hear that. I'm a, uh, also a, a Wesleyan spouse. Um, my wife and I met at school and my brother went there. So always fun to, uh, to make that type of connection and the development people seem to keep track of these type of things. So yeah. <laughs> they, always, they always remind us. Yeah. Um, what was the experience like uh, playing basketball at Wes? It was, it was great. Um, you know, I, I came at it with a little bit different approach just being a transfer. So like my, my incoming class was effectively the guys who are younger than me. Um, we ended up winning a NESCAC championship. I, uh, when I transferred, I knew that the school I was looking for would be a place that should I have to sit out another year or if I got hurt, you know, God forbid that it would be a school that I would, uh, I would like for the school component, the social, the education, and I wouldn't tie everything to sports. I wanted sports to be the, the nice to have, but um, in San Francisco, I, I enjoyed my time there and made some good friends, but uh, it wasn't where I wanted to be for my professional, uh, what I was looking for academically and professionally after school. I was told I couldn't take certain classes. Uh, there were study hall requirements that, uh, and, and summer school requirements that limit, limited me from getting uh, internships. Um, so I knew when I wasn't gonna play in the NBA that the writing was on the wall and uh, I started looking around. So Wesleyan fulfilled everything um, that I was looking for. Coach Riley was very upfront in terms of, uh, you know, what was expected uh, over the summer, which was you work hard, you train, but go find an internship, reach out to people uh, like you. The Wesleyan Alumni Association was super uh, responsive. 
uh, which you don't get everywhere. And then the guys on the team who were, you know, class of 2010 through 2015, kind of that sweet spot where I am now for the current players, um, you know, I could pick up the phone, didn't play with half of them, but um, they chat and uh, still keep in touch with a lot of my teammates and uh, non-teammates. Non uh, my senior year, all of my roommates were non-basketball players. Um, so just kind of the speaks to the community of Wesleyan, which I enjoyed. And transitioning a little bit to the professional track, you're in the blockchain world today, which is super interesting, but started out kind of sticking with the athletics sports, had a, a stop in the law. Could you, could you talk to us a little bit more about that journey, what you did during your summers, you alluded to internships, um, while you were playing basketball, what's that look like? Yeah. So I, I always had an interest in kind of the business side of sports, uh, specifically kind of content distribution. So my sophomore going into my junior year, uh, I spent a summer in Chicago working for Comcast Sportsnet Chicago and their affiliated regional sports network, um, which covered the Cubs, the Blackhawks, um, the Bulls, you know, the, from top to bottom. And got to do some fun kind of creative things. I worked Cubs games at nights. Um, so that then ushered in my next internship, which was my junior going into senior year, which was on the business operation side of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I got to come back home for a summer um, and worked on everything from customer retention to how they go through uh, sponsorship uh, arrangements and kind of got that piece through that. Uh, the, the legal team, uh, the outside counsel for the NBA and a lot of the sports leagues is Proskauer Rose. So I was interested in kind of the corporate transactional side of sports law, media distribution, content rights. Uh, took the, um, studied for the LSAT, but knew I didn't want to go right away. Went and worked at Proskauer Rose. Um, decided after two years that, uh, really after about 12 months that I, I didn't think I wanted to go to law school but was working on cool projects. So I, I stuck it out for two years, um, worked on a lot of cool things that were within my kind of wheelhouse. Um, and that used that I used that and leveraged into where I am now, which although it's not sports, it was uh, digitally native. I knew nothing about the blockchain, but I wanted kind of a nimble, uh, it was a chief of staff role when I started. Uh, it was me and the managing partner um, transitioning to today where I've been there for three years. Uh, we're now five people full-time, several advisors part-time. We're raising our third fund. Um, you know, Bitcoin's kind of, kind of having an explosion the last two months. Uh, we were more of an enterprise uh, uh, focused. Uh, we're, we're looking for companies that are building on the blockchain, rather speculative token, but uh, people usually peg the success of the market to Bitcoin. Um, so I do everything from kind of our de facto CFO, COO, uh, head of operations. Um, and we're a, we're a small team, but uh, it's going well. So before we dig into your current gig, talk a little bit about what it was like working at Comcast for the Cubs, OKC, a lot of people, especially obviously student athletes. That's certainly something that, you know, would be a dream for, for many folks. Um, but I'm sure the reality is much different than <laughs> yeah. what you would you think it, it, it would be. How did you land those uh, gigs? And what was that experience like that might be different from what we hold in our mind's eye? 
Uh, yeah. So the, how I navigated that first was um, with the Cubs. I, I had some help. Uh, I'll be the first to admit it in that beyond Jed Hoyer was GM at the, uh, now the GM, head of business operations, excuse me, but Wesleyan grad. I didn't know Jed Hoyer um, at all, but my dad happened to be uh, college roommates with the guy who's now the president of the Cubs. I did not intern for the Cubs. Um, I was denied for that actually, but uh, through the Comcast sports set, I basically cold emailed reference that I'd in, I had interviewed with the Cubs, um, you know, said, hey, is there any chance we could do it? This is before Zoom. This was 2000, uh, I guess 13 going on 14. Um, and I badgered them, uh, you know, stayed on top of them, followed up every week. They finally sent me a link. I applied and I did everything from kind of like copywriting, um, editing. Uh, we do, I'd write the blurbs that would promote the games at the bottom. Uh, when you're watching, say you're watching a Bulls game and they're promoting a Cubs game in two days, I would write the blurb, you know, uh, Kyle Hendricks takes the mound uh, to stymie uh, the red hot Cardinals, you know, stuff like that. I've lost my touch as you can see, but uh, I got a chance to be creative. Um, everyone there was willing to help. It was a young team, which I think helped. Um, and this was before sports rights went absolutely through the roof. So it was cool to kind of be on the ground floor um, as new media rights deals were coming up. They were preparing for those. This was before social was really a thing. One of my jobs was to kind of aggregate Twitter data. Um, at that point, they were getting like 10 retweets and uh, there was no engagement. They didn't know how to monetize it. Um, so being kind of in that realm led me to the Thunder gig uh, the next summer. And through that, it was just leveraging uh, a relationship with Comcast to reach out to someone at the Cubs. Uh, growing up in Oklahoma City, I knew a couple of people that had worked for the team, you know, ping them separately. Um, they were responsive, uh, which isn't always the case, and uh, was able to do that. And it, as you could imagine, one thing led to the net, led to another. So Comcast led to the Thunder, Thunder led to Proskauer, and uh, you know, my first job, Proskauer out of school is what led to my current job. And <clears throat> talk a little bit about the Proskauer gig. That's that's a big corporate white shoe law firm. Um, you know, I, I've had a similar experience uh, before I went to law school at, at a similar firm. What did that day-to-day -day look like? What, what did your job entail? What were the hours, pros and cons? Maybe walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, the hours can range. You're, you're either busy or you're not at a law firm. It's kind of what it comes down to. Um, and so if there was a deal closing or if it was kind of an ongoing project, it, you know, it was, you're in by 7.38 and you might not leave until 10 o'clock and you're constantly billing. Um, and so my role was to kind of fill the gaps, similar to you would if you're uh, playing a sport, you know, be the glue guy. I worked directly with the kind of junior associates, the mid-levels, um, and then depending on the project, after I'd been there for two years, I might work directly with a partner. Um, you know, if it was a cost-conscious client, it was just me and the partner or me and the associate. Um, it was a really good opportunity though. This is before we were all remote. Um, you know, some of my best friends that I made in New York were the young associates who have now gone on and taken jobs at the MLB, the NFL. Uh, we played in a men's league basketball uh, league together at Chelsea Piers. 
Um, and it was a lot of camaraderie, which I don't think you usually get in a corporate setting. Um, so that was one differentiator. The firm was great. Uh, the job could have you know, menial tasks. It was a lot of um, kind of record keeping, um, a lot of crossing your T's, dotting your I's. Um, but I think it's, it's a discipline that you would get. And they hired athletes pretty regularly in part because I think they knew that a student athlete might have that discipline. Um, so I, I learned a lot in terms of time management, um, uh, discipline. A lot of it was already there, I think, but I, I learned to mold it in a corporate setting and the firm was great. But at some point you, you came to a realization that the law was not for you. Can right. you talk through a little bit about the, that decision? You had, you had spent time and money on the LSAT prep, two yep. years at this firm, you hang out with a lot of lawyers, you're at a very high profile firm. Was that a difficult decision? How did you navigate that choice? Uh, I think it was a little bit kind of in looking at the opportunity cost of, do I you know, spend three years at law school? I've done two years at this firm. Realistically, when I come out the first year or two would be very similar to my two years I'd already spent at the firm. I would just have a JD at the end of my name. So, and I knew I didn't want to practice law full-time. I knew that in part, um, I don't love pouring over contracts. Um, it's a good discipline to have, but when you're in kind of transactional law, it's it's not what law and order uh, or the the shows make it out to be. You know, you're you're uh, you're reading contracts. Um, it's changing a, a word or two here. Um, it's it's a great discipline. It's necessary, but it wasn't what I wanted to devote the next fifty years of my life to. Um, and I didn't write it off completely before leaving Proskauer. Part of it was I wanted to go kind of get a different, I wanted to go develop a, a, a different set of disciplines um, before I made that final decision. So it was probably a year after I left Proskauer that I formally just said, all right, I, I think uh, I have this discipline and I work with our outside counsel a lot in my current role, but I knew it wasn't what I was looking to do um, for the next you know, 40 to 50 years. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, so, you know, for the, the uh, uninformed, could you give us just the elevator version, layman's version of what blockchain is and what you do? Um, I, I'll give it a try. And I'll, I'll admit that I had this conversation with uh, some cousins. We did a Zoom cousin call and they were asking the same thing. And my fiance always gets onto me because uh, I'm not very good at explaining it. But uh, the very, at, a, at a very high level, um, blockchain technology is a, it's a digital ledger, a digital accounting system of all transactions on a given uh, chain. I'm throwing finger quotes up as if anyone can see me, but um, there are different variations of it. Bitcoin is the most commonly known. Uh, think of that as kind of your digital gold, um, you know, a, a store of value, a hedge against inflation. People approach it differently, but um, the Bitcoin blockchain is the underlying piece. And then there's a token that trades on top of it which is the capital B Bitcoin token, BTC. Um, and it's uh, reacting, I've got the, the ticker over there. Um, it's reacting uh, pretty crazily over the last two months. Um, we invest though across, uh, it can be you know, currency types, it could be stores of value, it could be uh, any transfer of value. Um, so there are companies that are building uh, protocols or blockchains that could trade uh, deeds to your home, uh, you know, your identity could be on a blockchain, et cetera. It's, 
it's really pretty interesting. And I know I took it beyond layman's term, so I apologize, but the, at a high level, it's a digital uh, record of accounting. Right, and, and, and clearly, you know, an industry that is burgeoning and likely will be growing for the next, you know, 10, 20 years is something that if you were a current student, um, worth digging into and knowing more about. What is the, switching to a little bit more of an informational interview, what does your day-to-day -day look like in your current role at that firm? Yeah, uh, and apologies if you hear my dog barking in the background. It's okay. Uh, yeah, um, so the day-to-day, -day, uh, we're a small team. So we, uh, we're we now, I think I mentioned it, four or five full-time, but uh, we've got three funds and a couple side vehicles that we manage. So. Uh, it depends if we're in fundraising mode, if we're deploying, uh, if it's audit, you know, year-end audit, et cetera. So one of the parts of my job that I do like is there really isn't, um, it's not like I wake up and every Monday I go through the same routine. Um, for example, right now we're raising our third fund. So I'm building out a database. I'm, I'm speaking with prospective investors, current investors. Uh, we're closing out the year-end 2020. So I go through and I update all of our positions. Um, I work with our outside counsel and our audit team um, to kind of close the books on the year end, prep for 2021. Um, we're doing a co-investment vehicle uh, in a company called Figure. Uh, I think I mentioned you once, um, started by the SoFi, so kind of like a democratized lending platform. So we're raising money for that, kind of a strategic opportunity. Um, so it's a lot of similar to my first job and similar to kind of how I played in college. It's kind of filling in the, being the glue guy, filling in the gaps. It's just making sure nothing falls between the cracks. It's making sure the money goes out and comes in and make sure that we have a record of it. Um, our investors get what they need. Our companies, uh, we're accessible to our companies and, um, whether it's me or our managing partner, uh, if they need something from us that we're, you know, we're just a phone call away. So. Um, the short answer is uh, no day is the same. I enjoy that. Uh, it requires being nimble. And I think a student athlete uh, is, is geared toward doing well in that environment. So let's unpack that a lot. We, we use a lot of sports cliches on, on, these, on the show and the conversations because they're highly applicable. Um, and it's a reason they're part of our everyday parlance. Talk a little bit more about the soft skills that you learned being a student athlete on a team and how that's translated to your professional acumen? Yeah, um, I think the, the, this is not a sports uh, analogy so much, but the best advice I got was, um, and it can be applied to sports, was the three A's, the concept of the three A's. So availability, affability, and ability. Uh, the idea being, you know, pick up the call, most important. You can't do anything if you're never available. Uh, affability, have a good disposition, be a good teammate, be someone uh, that people like being around. And then honestly, probably the third most important is your, your ability. Uh, by the time you get to college as, a, as an athlete, um, there's a reason you're there. So everyone has a baseline of ability, but if no one wants to play with you, uh, they're not gonna pass you the ball, they're not gonna listen to you and it's not gonna be effective. And I think that I approached, when, when I transferred, there were days where I might, score 20 and I might be the hot hand. We had four other guys though, five other guys at some point who averaged between like eight and 13 points. So it was very much kind of filling the need of the day. Uh, if it meant taking a charge, getting dirty, if you got in foul trouble 
you know, it's, it's kind of a plug and play. Um, I was never the very best at one individual thing. And I think I took that into my professional setting. I was never like the best at financial modeling. I had very little uh, of that coming in. I, I was not uh, an accounting whiz. I, uh, but I, I allowed myself to be available. Uh, when I started off, there was never a job that I turned down. Um, I prefaced that with my boss that I might mess this up. He was understanding. So it's also helpful to have an understanding boss. Um, and I built out my, uh, my skill set by first, just being available. Um, secondly, we have a good rapport. Uh, I've got a good rapport with our vendors, our, uh, our investors. Um, so that helped. And then my ability has, uh, has been built up as a result of those first two. So I think I, I did that in sports and I've applied that now in my professional uh, day-to-day. And I'm not sure if we've done any interviews with folks that transferred to Wes. That's also a difficult skill set. I, I transferred in law school and it's a challenge to enter into a, a space where cliques have already been formed. And yeah. I'm sure the team was really helpful because you can kind of plug into that work. But yep. if anyone listening to the show is a transfer, a transfer or contemplating transferring, any, any advice that you'd give to them about how to make that transition work? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I think I was a little bit spoiled in having transferred in as an athlete. I had a built-in uh, group of people I could reach out to beforehand. So I know when I, I reached out to the guys in my, some of the guys in my class, uh, the guys a grade older than me were, were great. Um, and I've actually talked to some kids who are, at the time when I was still in school, who were considering transferring. Um, so the first thing I would do is, yeah, we didn't have LinkedIn when I was there and there was, you know, the, the Instagram, Facebooks of the world, there was not the search tools or search functions available. Uh, I don't want to speak for everyone, but as a transfer student, if you reached out to kind of the, the transfer pool of people, uh, I would have been more than happy to pick up the call and talk to you about Wesleyan. Um, so from a student athlete perspective, I think we come in with a little bit of an advantage. When you get there, the beauty of Wesleyan, uh, and what I found was uh, whether it's the dining hall, your 12 person classes. I, I was a history uh, major econ minor. So a lot of my history classes by the time I got there were 12 to 15 people. And you know, by the time you do a couple readings, uh, ask someone to, meet up in the library, talk about it. Uh, you know, next thing you know, you're hanging out on the weekend. So uh, the, the, there's some built-in advantages of Wesleyan being a transfer student. I, I don't know how certain people do it at a 40,000 person state school. I think that'd be tough. Um, but Wesleyan has the kind of the infrastructure, especially if you're a student athlete, that it, it can be smoother. It's not to say it's not, uh, it's not hard because there are the built-in clicks and you kind of have to navigate that, but um, just don't be shy. Um, and Wes is, Wes is a, uh, a place where a lot of personalities can, uh, can do well. Yeah, I, I would echo that. Um, putting yourself out there, not being afraid, understanding that, you know, um, even though it is, can be a little bit awkward at times, um, I think that's one of the beauties of the Westing community is just how open-minded everyone is and open-armed. So thank you for offering to, be a resource for folks that are going through that decision-making process or, or contemplating it. 
as we wrap up here, any uh, words of wisdom or pieces of advice that you'd give to, to current students um, as they are looking to transition into a professional career, um, especially given you've, you've on your third or fourth kind of um, industry at this point, um, any pearls of wisdom you would offer? Uh, yeah, take it or leave it. Um, I first, uh, got to give credit to the kids who are on campus this year, not playing. Um, so, uh, I hope that they push through that. Uh, my sister is a senior right now at Notre Dame. So we've kind of talked about this. She's navigating the job market too. And, uh, I think, well, one thing that you mentioned on a different podcast was, uh, I think it was, uh, don't be afraid of getting a no. Um, I probably sent out 120 emails my senior year, like formal job application cover letter type emails. And I probably heard back on 10, eight of which were uh, a solid no, two of which was a we'll get back to you. And one of those was a job offer. Um, so be, get comfortable with getting a no, it's not the end of the world. Um, and at this time, you know, 22 to 30, uh, everyone has a different situation, but depending on, uh, you know, if you're not married, you don't have kids that financially you can afford to take some risk. You know, I, I would encourage everyone to find uh, a burgeoning industry, whether it's, uh, I, I, for me, it was kind of digital innovation. Uh, I then narrowed in on blockchain technology more specifically. Um, but you know, if you can take a swing for the fences, now's the time to do it. Um, and if you strike out and you're 28 with five years of good experience at a kind of a lean company um, and your Wesleyan degree in your back pocket, uh, you're, you're gonna, I think you'll be okay. Um, and not everyone's in that situation, I get that. So take it with a grain of salt, but I would just, now's the time to take a risk. Yeah, a couple of really good nuggets in there. One, don't be afraid getting the no. I know I've had sales mentors reiterate that to me often. And, you know, <laughs> there's 330 million people in America. If you get 100 no's, you're not even scratching the surface. <laughs> and, you know, the sun will come up, beer still tastes cold, they still play football on Sundays, it'll be okay. And then uh, the other one I really liked was not being afraid to take a risk earlier in your kind of career arc. I think oftentimes, especially student athletes or um, high achievers, afraid of failure um, so much that they, they take the safe choice where they may not be able to grow as much. And I can tell you from being in the world for 38 years that, you know, these people who are in positions today, oftentimes have had multiple kind of failures or false starts, especially in the entrepreneurial space. And people look for that. I think oftentimes they want to see that conviction. They want to see that grit and that scar tissue and all these other cliches we use, but I think it's real. So kudos to you for everything you've done. And um, maybe one day I'll understand what blockchain is. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Hopefully over the next two to three years, uh, everyone will have an idea. Uh, yeah. Make your own thesis, but. And you're obviously a passionate alum, you know, uh, best wishes to getting married to another alum, but I always ask, is it okay for people to reach out to you if they just want to connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, or maybe just kind of lean on you as a resource? Absolutely. Uh, I check my LinkedIn messages. Um, people seem to find me on Facebook. Uh, my Instagram's private, but people find me. So uh, I will, uh, assuming I see it, which I check regularly, um, I will, I will get back to you. 
Awesome. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, likewise. And uh, thanks for putting this all together. Absolutely. Take care. Appreciate it.